Hello, my name is Don Marshall. You might remember me from the Don Marshall podcast show. Well, my new podcast show is called Don Marshall and Company, where we will be discussing the unique experiences of being black and gay in America. From discrimination to black excellence. And I'll be interviewing black gays and their personal experiences about being gay here in America. I really hope that you enjoy our show. Let's get started. Hello, folks. Thanks for listening again to Don Marshall and Company. Hey, I've got a great, great uh, company today, I guess. His name is Warren, and he's going to tell us about his unique experience being black and gay here in America. Hello, Warren. Hi, how you guys are doing? Great, great. So tell me, how is the weather there in Sacramento? Shoot, you know what hot means? This is hot, <laughs> hot, hot. It's hella hot. It's, Yesterday it's 116. Today, right now, it's about 105, and it's going to be hot tomorrow, about 111. So it's hot. <laughs> Did I say it was hot? You said you said it was hot. <laughs> Triple digits hot. I'm telling you, Sacramento was no jokes. One of the reasons I left because of the crazy weather there. But anyway, so tell hey, tell everyone out there about your experience and. And being black in America, your unique experience about being black and gay in America. Wow, that's a big question. It is, it is huge. Well, let's well, tell, tell everyone about who Warren Anderson is and your achievements. Let's go from that point. Okay. Well, again, my name is Warren Anderson. For those of you that don't know me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I am 68 years old. I grew up in a time of uh, being black in America. I was born in 1953, December 1953. And of course, that was not a very good uh, at that time. I no, know. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. For my parents. Yeah. It was. But I come from a, I have, I come from a family of nine, nine siblings, eight siblings. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest. One out of nine. Yes. Uh, you know, my father and mother wanted to try but did something a little bit better than me, but they just couldn't do it. So they stopped that now. <laughs> well, you're the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. They want oh, can we do better? No, I guess you guys could do. But um <laughs> they and uh, uh uh we're an air force family. So was uh, I, yeah. Father, yeah, we had 22, my father had 22 years in the Air Force. Wow. 22 years, so, uh, and he had all of us, all nine of us. Was born. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, my mother was, my mother was one of nine, so, so I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was we the had, oldest as well, yeah. Yeah, no wonder we had those good conversations, yeah, because we had <laughs> good conversations <laughs> with your mother. Yeah, yeah, bless your soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so come from a family of nine and traveled to the United States. I think uh, uh, seven of us were born in the States. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my young, he was uh, in Okinawa, in Okinawa for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was rookie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
but basically that's where I Okay. And so, you know, in your adult life too, what was it like? What were your achievements? Like what kind of things did you do? What kind of, what was your career? What, you know, and, and also things in the community that you've done too. So what are okay, some well, other things? That's my best achievement. I, I uh, uh, had a career work for the state of California Franchise Tax Board. That's uh, our taxing agency here. Like, you know, the IRS is a taxing agency. State mm-hmm. of California's taxing agency is called Franchise mm-hmm. Tax Board. Mm-hmm. I worked there for 34 years. Started wow. from the ground and ended up, I retired. I was an administrator one. Wow. Glorified first line man- manager. I was making some good money though. But yeah. it, was it was above the supervisor level. But um, I retired as an ad one. And during the, the, my time there, I think I've done some pretty good things. In the later years, I was able to hire uh, wow. people. I sat on many uh, interview panels. Mm-hmm. Um, I was what they called a chairperson. Now, the ch- uh, usually a, an interview panel could be three to five people, and we would mm-hmm. ask questions of uh, people. Mm-hmm. And I was a chairperson. A chairperson would direct the interview, ask a lot of the questions, and probe- ask probing questions, and kind of handle the interview. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity of seeing a lot of minorities come through. Mm-hmm. And was able to witness how interviews were handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, um, you know, able to, to uh, how do you say it, persuade some of my panels to, to handle the right person. That, so some of those times that right person was a minority. Ooh, okay. Another person, uh, you know, a Caucasian. But I said, okay, well, this person brings this to the table. This person mm-hmm. brings this to the table. Could you work with this person? So you had influence over the panel. Yeah. Too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually I, I was uh, the higher ranking person on the panel. Oh, okay. So right I have to add one, then you'd have a first line supervisor and then you'd have uh, a person uh, from the section that the, uh, the new person would be entering. And the, the, the question I always work is, you know, would you want to work with that person? Mm-hmm. The highest person could could say, "Well, ooh, they got they make these good scores, but I can't work with that personality." <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I said, okay, well, so let's okay, well, let's go with this, the second one. So I had so it was good that we did it that way because that way some of the people that would not have been considered were considered. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we, we we also had to keep in mind the uh, Equal Employment Act and all that other, you know, all the other good stuff. Right. But you right. Have to go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that gut could mean hiring three minorities and one white person. It just mm-hmm. depends. Or or, or three <laughs> white people and one minority. <laughs> and white people, yeah, three white people exactly. But you have to be fair. Right. 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 So you definitely have to follow the act laws. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but be fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was able to, to help in that way. And some of the, some of the, the uh, my background that I uh, expounded to the panel, I said, oh, we never thought of it that way. Or we never thought about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, do, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was one of the areas where I had an influence. Well, what um, was it like being black and, and again, gay 
in that environment. Most in of the those people days. in those days, most people did not know I was gay. Mm -hmm. I kept I purposely kept that out of my working environment. Mm -hmm. And because big, you know, when I was um, starting in the agency, you know, the the words fag and queer mm -hmm. and all that stuff came up. Wow. I mean, it was, you know, I said, okay, well, this can't, I don't, I don't want them, you know, you know, demoting me or whatever, or considering right. me for a promotion because they think I might be a certain way. Right. In those days, it was, you, you had to keep your mouth shut in many, in many ways. Yeah. Because I started this, I started December 16th, 1974. Oh my gosh! Those, you know those days. Those <laughs> days were rough. Yeah, you could lose your apartment, your your job. You know, a lot of things, and they looked at you differently. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So I kept that. I I kept that quiet. All and I didn't really come out uh, totally until I retired in in two thousand and nine. Yeah, that's when things have lightened up a little bit. And I'll tell you, being black and gay, what a double and Tom. Uh, uh, what's that word saying? Go to double, uh, two devils right there. <laughs> double indemnity. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. <laughs> and yeah, plus I like the giggle. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of the people back in those days was, you know, you had to wear the shirt and tie. Mm -hmm. and I said, oh, hell no, I'm going to be comfortable if I'm going to work, work all day in office. So yeah. I, I would just wear a shirt, you know, slacks. I But I, you know, I didn't do the, Especially when I became administrator, I still didn't do all that. Right. This is the tire, though. Yeah, sometimes this is, this is casual. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's casual. Yeah. You know, I did come up there with sneakers and, you know, <laughs> right. you know and a thong or whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I come to work like that. <laughs> but, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, back in those days, yeah. And, and, back, and also, there wasn't a lot of uh, people of color. Right. And high, um, you know, high, uh, what do I want to say again? Uh, in high, high uh, offices. Mm -hmm. So right. that was another thing. And so I said, because I, when I started there, I said, okay, I, I'm this is because I, even though that was there, I liked working there. Right. I liked it because I saw, I saw, okay, because the state of franchise tax board, uh, I mean, the state of California, I mean, uh, you can get some in some bad work environments, but I, I, I had no problem working with everybody there. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of room for expansion, for career advancement. You just had to take and do it. Now, didn't you, know? you, didn't you start in a mail room? I, oh, that was, that was even later. I started December, I can say December 16th, 1974. I started working what they called the codophones. You know, okay. For you, for you young people, <laughs> the code of phone turned into being called the answering machine. Oh. The mm -hmm. Now it's called voicemail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on the code of phone, what I would do is all day I had I had earphones in and I would transcribe addresses from taxpayers all over the country, uh, mailing out tax forms. So they would call and say, I want a 540 booklet or whatever. My name is so-and-so, and this is my address. And I would sit down there on a royal typewriter and actually <laughs> take my little hands and type all day, eight hours. Now, wow. 
informed the books came back undeliverable because I couldn't spell half the streets and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how they mailed out the booklets. Uh, if you didn't go to the post office or if it wasn't mailed to you and you you uh, you had to call in and that's how you would get the booklet. So that's oh, how I started. Okay. And then my next job was the mail room. Mm -hmm. would I would actually stick the labels on booklets and mail them out. Oh, okay. And so after that, I said, okay, I was a seasonal at that time. I, I worked nine, nine months out of the year. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, it's time for me to get permanent. So at that time, you had to take a written exam to get on a list. Mm -hmm. So I took the written exam. I got pretty good score on it. And I got, I think I got ranked two. And wow. I got fired. And I got hired in a telephone unit. A phone unit, and uh, I like that. Mm. Talking to people, mm. then I did that for a few years, and then uh, one of my supervisors said, "Warren, you need to become a supervisor." I said, "Oh hell no, I ain't gonna do that." I <laughs> 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 crazy. You think I'm talking? Oh no. no. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, another supervisor, the two supervisors came and talked to me. Said, "Warren, this is good. You like blah blah blah." I said, "Okay." I said, they, "And if, uh, apparently, I guess if the deadline to sign up for this position was that same day they were talking to me." So they made me. They sat down there with me. I filled out the application, sent it to the uh, HR office, got the interview. I got ranked three on that one and got hired as first line supervisor. Wow. And uh, I didn't know what, uh, when I got my unit, I said, oh, I said, some of these, mostly people are older than me and I got to tell them what to do. It was, it was hell at first. You know, I did, uh, I, they would come up to me and ask questions about, well, Warren, where do I do this? How do I do this? And I had to answer those questions, plus take care of my paperwork and all the duties that came along with the supervisor, you know, doing reports, um, meetings, all that stuff. All those memos. Right. But I remember the memos. Yeah. And I'd go home and I couldn't sleep and this and that. So I said, Warren, <laughs> this is just ridiculous. So I had what they call leads. I was a supervisor. I had two leads. The leads were there to answer all the technical questions. Right. And the unit was not availing themselves of these leads. They would they were, I guess, used to coming to the supervisor. Right. So I had I had a uh, meeting with everybody. I said, okay. You know, I'm, I'm new to this and uh, you know, everybody's coming to ask me quite technical questions. But you guys don't realize you've got two uh, technical leads over here which you can go to. Mm -hmm. So I told them that I am really not a mentor. A mentor is a person and goes over the work and gives you ideas and that type of thing. I'm what you call mm -hmm. a coach because as a coach, I provide the, the materials. I, pro I, I provide the know-how, the know-all, how to get get around your subjects and so forth. But th these two are the mentors are the most important person in your unit. Your leads. Your leads. I oh, mean, your, God. yeah. I was a lead in the cable company, so I. <laughs> so you know, I know. I provide the materials and the tools in order for you to do your do your work. Mm-hmm. And I also provide the, you know, the, do the paperwork and sign your timesheets and all that stuff, as mm -hmm. well as, you know, offer suggestions. And if there's a problem, then you come to me. Right. And what I would do is if the technical leads uh, didn't know the answer, then I would have the leads and that person that asked the question come up to me. Mm -hmm. So all 
three of us would get the answer. So hopefully that wouldn't happen again. So I guess uh, a couple of other supervisors saw what was happening and they decided they, they would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we're known as coaches. <laughs> so they so they followed your style. Right. You yeah. had to figure out, wait a minute, this is a lot of crap it's coming at me. Mm -hmm. Let me kind of point to people who know and mentor and then I coach. That's an excellent, that's an excellent idea. That was excellent. And they were following your your uh, examples. Yeah. <laughs> Innovative. Yeah. It was hey, I want to do all this work, too. <laughs> A responsibility, shoot. I'm responsible for his whole, I'm responsible for this unit, and I've got to provide, you know, feedback to them as well as feedback to um, my higher ups. And it was a lot of work, so I said, Wow, but mm -hmm. I got good. And uh, my, my, my challenge was, How do I persuade a difficult person to do what I need them to do? Mm -hmm. And I and I what I would do is just sit if they didn't do what I needed them to do, I would sit down with them one on one and say, This is what we need to do, and this is how you're gonna help the section. Mm -hmm. And they say, Okay. So I said, Okay, we're gonna do this and we're gonna come back next week and see how you did. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we would go from there. Sometimes it didn't work, and sometimes I said, Well, this is what we're gonna because this is not working, we're gonna do it another way, but now I'm going to put everything in writing. And so if I put too, you know, too many things in writing, then it's, it's, it's bye-bye. Yeah, right. You gave, you, know, a, you gave him a chance to, you know, based on guidelines of where to go yeah. by in writing. You know, you can follow the, what people following recipes, you know, you, 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 you got to make it uh -huh. work. Yeah. But yeah, you know, some of the bits, I had one section that I worked in. Uh, it was mostly, and I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to female population. <laughs> But it's mostly, I was one of the few males. And my unit, I, I, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up getting most of the difficult people. In my, <laughs> and, it's, and, the, uh, and I had three males in there. <laughs> so Warren, we can't handle these guys. Can you, can you take them? Wow. And so, yeah, one, well, one of my bosses said that Warren, and I will never forget it. So Warren, you just know how to talk to people. You could, you could sue the, sad, the savage beast. <laughs> oh my God, you said, the, they made you the whisperer. <laughs> yeah, I said, that, she, that was her word. You could sue the savage, savage beast. I said, well, I don't know if I should, could take that as a compliment or what, but it, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm good, I'm good. So oh. anyway. So uh -huh. I get uh, so this one this one guy he he was black, mm -hmm. the, the 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 supervisors you know didn't know what to do with him. He was always late to work, and you know his stats weren't up to par. So mm -hmm. they gave him the thing, and I took I took you know I took him in, and I said this is what the other supervisors were saying about you. Mm -hmm. I just told him the thing I do is I like to be transparent to not only the employee but management also. Mm -hmm. So whatever I tell the employee, the management knows. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down and talked to him. This is what they said to me. And I said, okay, so you're, you're now you're here. And well, I'm going to give you a fresh start. I'm tearing all this, all this stuff up. Mm -hmm. And so the first week he came in late a couple of mm -hmm. times. We sat down and talked. 
I said, okay, you can't do this. This, this is, is not good. And we had a, I, you know, we had a conversation and he said, okay, I'll go do better. And I said, well, if you don't, unfortunately, this is what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. I wrote, and so the first, the first, he came in late and I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to write you up. And this is what they weren't doing very good. They weren't writing him up. They would say, oh, I'll do this, but they, they, they didn't follow through. Right. And so that's what you got to do. You got to follow through. So I, you know, I wrote him up twice. And the third time I said, okay, I'm going to have to uh, put this in your, uh, your permanent folder. And when you say you're going to put it in their permanent folder, that follows them for years. Mm. And, and they're, they're late or this and that. Do you think somebody's going to hire you? Especially when you have to be on a phone or have to be somewhere at a specific time. When mm -hmm. I did that, I mean, it's, it started to improve. You know, it improved. His, uh, we said, uh, we would go, I would go, I said, so and so, let's go for a walk. I said, well, you're doing good. This is, you know, because we had to listen to them take calls over you take calls very good you you know you're very personal i don't know you know what was going on before but you're doing pretty good now mm -hmm. so I'm, i know i should make up this uh also it's a long story short he had never got a good uh appraisal a, a good appraisal since he's been in that section he ended up being one of my best my best uh employees wow god honest truth you, you you knew how to encourage them and and so you know I think when those things happen to someone you know because I went through the same thing I was one of the worst ones who, uh -huh. who would come in late and so forth and I liked my supervisor so much that that I started doing really good and I I made him look good as well based on the conversation because he had the same conversation yeah. as you did. And he happened to be a black supervisor too. So he uh -huh. he really encouraged me and he's basically was telling me, look, those folks are saying you, you know, yeah. you know, let's let's do the same together. thing I did. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Absolutely. But you know, the my saying and it's funny that you said my saying my quote uh that everybody remembers when I left there says Warren, what is I said, what is my quote? I said, You make me look good, I'll make you I'll look make better. you look good. That's right. I make That's them look what, better. Same thing I got. Yeah. And when I when I left there, all the people I, I told my section because the last section I had the supervisor really didn't care about them, so I didn't do the work, and they they just were down down they were just down. Mm -hmm. So I I said I could before I leave here, if you want to promote, I will promote you. I'll get you promoted. And I as God is my witness, I had got everyone, almost that whole section was gone when I left. They were promoted to different sections, different positions. Wow. I swear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All except one. One had went. But I I had to actually demote because uh, it, uh, she went back to the other other section and and she realized that that uh, where she was was not the right place for her. Yeah. But so I had. Wow. So I was proud of that. Yeah, that's that's commendable. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, let's see. What else did I do? That? Oh, I was also known as a cook. <laughs> Yo, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You would cook for your team, right? Your section. I would cook for my team. If if our stats, I actually, I, I uh, if our stats were outstanding, I would I would fix a whole meal. I would reserve a room, a large room. I would set it up uh, dinner style mm -hmm. with tablecloths and everything. I I I would cook a full meal for them. 
Wow. Do you guys, any other supervisors out there who want to motivate your team? This guy has, has the great idea because I would have been on the top definitely knowing that my supervisors got me on food. Yeah. yeah. Food's yeah. a good motivator. Yeah. Yeah. That and one thing that I did, uh, I, I wasn't supposed to, but I did it anyways. <laughs> a rebel. Get, yeah. To get the unit talking to each other. Mm-hmm. We had a, a mask. It was a squirrel mascot. If we have, oh, you know, oh, we have. If we have time, I'll tell you. It was a squirrel mascot. We had time. And and uh, uh, one of the one, uh, someone with that squirrel mascot on your desk, and that meant that you did a good job for them. Mm. You did, so then you would stay on your desk for three days, and you would put it on another person's desk that did something good for you, and you would tell them, "You you helped me with this. This was good." So after 10, 10 days, they would get an email say, if the squirrel is on your desk, you've won $20. <laughs> I pre-programmed the email to go out at a certain time and a certain date. They never mm-hmm. knew it. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes I would forget. And so I pre-programmed it and the email would go out and that if the squirrel is on your desk, you got $20. <laughs> 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 wow motivating excellent yeah. tool excellent yeah. and these are you know this is something that people and supervisors and things have to take courses for but you uh-huh. just kind of built I it in it. wow what a dynamic person yeah absolutely yeah and that's you know and you know you get your you get, sometimes you get your name around and when uh when it came to thanksgiving the bureau director that would warn can you set up the Thanksgiving feast for us? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. That's about 200 people. <laughs> wow. So, of course, I wouldn't do it by myself, you know. No, but, yeah. yeah. I'd have a, a, a team help me with it. I would be mm-hmm. the leader. Those types of things. So, yeah. you know, that's just something <laughs> I did when I was working at Franchise. Mm-hmm, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, it was hard for a black guy like me getting up, up there. But you know, I persevered and I just, uh, I just played the game. Right, right. You got to right. really You can't come in there, you know, pimping and everything else. No. You know, and talking slang and stuff. Uh, you know, but uh, you play the game and you'll get ahead. Trust me. That, yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that's what I had to do, believe me. So I definitely yeah. understand what you're talking about is yeah, you, you can't bring your, 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 a lot of the slang and, and stereotypical behavior into a business setting right? like that. You know, there's no way in hell you're getting more. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, so tell me what you've done for like, you know, because me knowing you for a number of years oh not a number of years what kind of things have you done for the community the black community uh, black gay community oh well you know hey you know i'm famous for my parties <laughs> yes you yeah. were yes i you know in the 70s when mm-hmm. i i when i started going you know going to bars and meeting a lot a lot of gay people because mm-hmm. i didn't really do anything until after high school Mm-hmm. Uh, I graduated in 72 and then back in high school you sure didn't come out <laughs> ooh, ooh, no, not, not where I live no 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 no, no. but anyways at that time there were a lot of people that were from out out from other cities uh, the military uh, uh, I guess some of the military bases had closed and a lot of gay people from 
all over the country were coming to Sacramento. Right. And I would meet some of them. And one day I just had a party and all these, you know, I said, invite, hey, invite your friend, you know, get, come on over. My house was open. Mm -hmm. And so I had this big party and it was a success. I met so many people. I cooked for, of course, I cooked for Of course you did. Maybe folks out there warned cooked. Yeah, I cooked. There was a lot of food. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of them uh, didn't have a, a family here in Sacramento mm-hmm. and didn't know where to go. And they would come over and I, I just started to be a tradition. Mm-hmm. All the holidays, I would have a party. Mm-hmm. I'd have birthday parties uh, and people would come over there and, and meet and talk. And I, I learned so much. I learned so much about Sacramento then, too, mm-hmm. about the and black the gay, community. And the black gay community. Absolutely. Yes. I learned so much. I, that's that's where I, how I met a lot of my friends that I, I currently know today. And those are like 20, 30 years ago. And that's me, one of them. And that's, yeah, you're one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're one of them. Yep. Yeah. I used to yep. come over to your house and help your father with his taxes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my mom's that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and Dad used to always come over once in a while and have a drink over at your place. All yes, he's yeah, yes, he's a, he always yes. I, I always love to hear his stories. <laughs> oh, he had a lot of stories. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he had a lot of stories. But uh, yeah, so I would yeah, and the people just got started used to the, the coming coming over, and they knew they were going to good get a good meal and have some good conversation and some good music because actually you didn't and, hear a lot of the black music. No, exactly. Let's talk about that. Yeah, uh-huh. a, lot of the, a lot of the clubs, the majority being Caucasian, who owned a lot of the clubs, you would hear a lot of weird, you know, I mean, not weird, but, uh, you know, uh-huh. I'm going to take that back. But it was just, you know, black, uh, not black, but white style music that yeah. you would listen to. And then they would only play the black music just 30 minutes before the exactly. club closed. Before and, the club closed. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, 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 you, you, and interesting in those days, You'd see the clubs like one side would be black, yeah. be a little section of Mexicans, a little bit, yeah. and the new Vietnamese that were coming in, it would be in the little corridor. And, well, you know what that reminds me of? I, I don't, I probably not all your your audience knows about Faces, the club in Sacramento called Faces. Mm-hmm. Remember when right Faces now. had everybody blocked off? Yeah, they had the did. black music, they had the Mexican music, they had the rap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> different rooms. Different room. Well, that's when it got bigger, but when yeah. it was smaller, you know, you just, you know, you just, just, you know, I didn't have that much uh, uh, diversity there. Yeah, so, I didn't have, but, yeah, we used but to go we, to all the rooms. We, yeah, <laughs> well, now they, then they start putting rooms up, and then we were able to, yeah, to go to different sections. Even to this day, and I know that the guy named Terry Sidey who owns it is, it's up for sale. Yeah. So faces is yeah. not going to be sold, but it, it, they built onto it. They had a bottom. They built onto. Pool. There's upstairs. There's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that was a big main club that people usually have met. We'd get together and meet, yeah. try to go dancing. But yeah. Warren, your place was so intimate, and it was a special place to go to on the different holidays and things. Yeah, and, and they know uh, it's safe. Yeah, and that's why I met my, one of my partners too. So yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Tony. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Tony. Yeah. Tony. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That is right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of other people met their partners there too. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. 
you're a little stupid Cupid there, you know? I don't know, but hey, I just had fun. Like I said, I had just had fun meeting people and, and, and seeing people enjoy themselves. That's what started me off. Like I said, I didn't have, growing up, I didn't know a lot of gay people. Uh, right. I did not know a lot of gay people until, like Nor I said, I. until I got out of high school. Wow. And uh, then I said, well, shoot. I said, this is a good way to meet folks. Because I didn't go out to the bars that much at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, until somebody took me out to, uh, I, I was a bar called The Hut. I don't know oh, if you remember uh, that. I remember The Hut, but I heard about it. But I, yeah. And then I was going out there almost every Saturday, every weekend. <laughs> shoot. Wow. I was meeting folks and I said, okay. But uh, that's the main reason why I had the parties because a lot of people were out of town. A lot, a lot of women were in the, still in the military. Mm-hmm, you know, right. and it was hush hush. It was, it was hush hush. And this was way away from the base. This, you know, where I lived, it was away from the base and the bases, you know. So, and so, like I say, everybody felt comfortable. I said, well, come on. Right on. It was a place to be. Now, tell me about. Let's get into the dirty stuff, the, the discrimination. Being, oh, okay. You know, because you used to take trips across uh, yeah. country. And one thing, being an administrator, you were able to afford rentals every two years or so, and you'd always get these Cadillacs in the lab. Yeah, you lease them. Yeah. Yeah, you lease them, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, the one time that I think uh, we were talking about is um, I was, uh, my, I live in Sacramento, California, and I have a brother that lives in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. Nevada. So I'd go down and visit him. And this one one month, this one time, I went down to visit him and for the weekend. And uh, when I left, he had cooked a, a nice barbecue meal. Mm-hmm. I wrapped it up. He wrapped it up, boiled, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to eat this on the road. <laughs> and so got in my, and at that time I had a, I, I, it was a 1993 black Cadillac Coupeville, brand new. Yeah, it was black it with the gold, gold land down top. It had the gold kit on it. I was looking good. Yeah, he, he looked like a hot daddy in that car <laughs> driving. Yes, sir. I'm I was, so anyways, I'm gone driving down. To, I'm, I left this house driving down the freeway. On I was on my way to Albuquerque, New Mexico for the balloon festival. Uh-huh. And uh, I was on the freeway. I was in the fast lane. And I said, okay, well, I want to relax. So I don't, you know, so I, I put my signals on to get in the middle lane. Mm-hmm. And I saw uh, my passenger side mirror. I saw there was a lady behind me. So I put my signals on and she let me in and I went on. So a couple of minutes later, this cop car comes behind me, puts the lights on and I pull over and he says, uh, uh, we stopped you because you didn't yield right away. I said, well, what do you mean I didn't yield right away? I put my signals on and the lady let me in, get in, in front of her. And so he says, well, let me see your registration license. I said, okay, here it is. They looked at it and they saw that I was leasing the car. I said, oh, you're, we see you're leasing. Oh, why do you lease? I said, because I like to get a new car. I'm serious, because I like to get a new car every two years. Yeah. And I, and I says, oh, okay. And he says, um, what did, how's he say? He said, did you, oh, yeah. He said, do you have any drugs on you? I said, no. I said, do you have any drugs in the car? No. Do you have any weapons on you? No. And then he, then he went back and he, you know, went in his went in his car and looked up my stuff and came back and says, we'd like you to, I want you to step outside, out the car. And he said, you sure you don't have any drugs? And I said, no, I don't have any drugs. And I says, also, I, you know, he says, do you work? I said, yes, I work. 
I worked for the California State Franchise Tax Board. He said I, he didn't know what that was. So luckily, I carried my uh, franchise tax board picture ID in the glove compartment. Mm -hmm. I said, here, this is where I work. So you have my driver's license, you have my registration, you have my, my franchise badge. Still not good enough. It's still not good enough. So, <laughs> so they made me walk. He said, walk up the road because we're going to call the canine unit. I said, oh, my God. He said, why are you so nervous? I said, because you guys stopped me for no reason. That's why I'm nervous. And I, I had, a, at that time, the, the, I had a, a cell phone attached to the uh, transmission. You know, in the olden days, you had oh, the, yeah. um, that, uh, in, inside the car. So yeah. I said, I was going to say, can I call somebody? I said, oh, I Well, you call the supervisors what you do. <laughs> or I call the supervisors. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I walked, I don't know how many spaces I walked up. So the canine unit came, and they got... <sighs> They opened up my suitcases, rummaged through the car and everything. Oh, man. And uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm skipping. Before they did that, they, they had me sign this waiver. And I said, well, what happens if I don't sign it? Well, I said, we'll impound the car and take you in. So I had no choice. So anyways, push comes to shove. Uh, they, looked, they took about uh, 10 minutes and went through the whole car and uh, called me back to the car. I said, oh, you know the... Uh, the uh, the, uh, you know, the roof of your car is, uh, the, the cloth is loose. I said, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me. And he, then they also had the nerve to say, oh, the dog didn't get into your food. I said, uh-uh. At that time, the word profiling was just coming around. Right. And I was so scared. I said, they, they, they stopped me for nothing, had no, for no reason. And I said, I was profiled. So, yeah, you know, were. as soon as they left, I threw that food out. <laughs> I was not going to know the dog went through it. You I understood that, that dog, dog yeah. Went through it. I, I, littered, I littered the street. I, I was so uh, mad. Uh, yeah. I and mean, I mean, totally angry and totally feeling, you know, just like you just threw your pants over and bent over, you know? Yeah, like, I was mad. And then on that trip, yeah. Yeah. And on that trip, I guess I don't know what happened. I guess, uh, I got stopped at the, uh, what do you call those toll gates from going from each state? Mm, I got yeah. stopped Arizona, got stopped in Texas. And I got, uh, I went over into Mexico. I, I accidentally drove into Mexico oh, and I came. That's, that's, <laughs> I was in El Paso. They have what they call the Friendship Bridge. Uh -huh. And I was going to go over the Friendship Bridge, but I took a wrong turn. And somehow I, I said, oh, those signs look different. I said, oh, I'm in Mexico. Oh, oh. hell. <laughs> I said, what? I'm black in Mexico? And I said, oh, and all of a sudden, all these kids come around my car and want me to buy this stuff. So I said, so anyways, I got a, I made a U-turn. It, it took about three hours to go over that same bridge. It took five minutes to go over. And they said, they asked me, where are you coming from? I said, well, I'm actually coming from El Paso. I just made a wrong turn. <laughs> they didn't think that was funny. But no. uh, mm -mm. they asked me what, and I gave them my, my driver's license. And then they asked me what nationality I was. I said, you have my driver's license. They thought I was Puerto Rican because uh, right. I'm light skinned. So for yeah, right. So yeah, so us light skinned people, we really go through it though. I totally get it. So, yeah. yeah, and so, anyways, uh, so they I, they told, pulled the stall and they went under the car and did all that thing again. Yeah. I was so pissed again. I went back to my hotel, went to sleep. So, anyways, <laughs> God. Then I then I got stopped going through the Texas thing. And I finally asked, you know, I, every state I go through, I'm getting stopped. And, and me and this lady struck up a conversation, and she was nice. 
And she said, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, because I saw this 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 white guy in front of me, and they just waved him on through. He's by himself and had out state license plate. So I asked, well, why am I the one getting stopped and so forth? And he she said, because I met the profile. She was oh. she was just proof about it. Oh wow. And the profile is I was on a drug route, uh 10. I didn't think and she said 10 is a drug route. Wow. I was driving a Cadillac, a new Cadillac. I had a California's plate. And I said, oh my God. I said, I'll never do this again. <laughs> but I did do it again, but I went with somebody. <laughs> right. Just let me have some proof. Yeah. But that was my, my, the, the one I really remember. That's, that's, I mean, wow. And I, the, the, what, what these young people today have to put up with. Uh, with uh, dealing with the uh, police and the parents having to give the conversation. Right. You know, my parents never did that. Yeah. Yeah, My dad, my dad, before he handed me the keys, he gave me the conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. My dad was dark skinned man. So Uh he, he said, he said, you know, it's yes, sir. No, sir. To the police. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Uh-huh. Don't make fast movements, and when they stop, you make sure you get your license registration before they get to the car on yeah. your dash, so yeah. that you don't have to reach or do anything, so that way you come home safely. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. my brothers and sisters had uh, given to their kids because mm-hmm. their kids are, are you know, thirties uh, and you know, uh, in their late thirties now. But uh, that was the incident that I most remember. Uh, wow. I'll never forget that one where they actually made me. I had never been, so, and then it was humiliating because all these people are on the freeway looking at me. What did he do? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, you know, you're, you're I right didn't there. do anything. Yeah, you're humiliated and yeah, in public. Yeah, oh my gosh. But you know, I I took it as a learning experience, and you know, I yeah. I said okay, you know, I I've never been in 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 any problems with the law. You know, except a traffic oh. ticket, but yeah, right, right, right. But other than that, you know, I have never, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, well, you know, hell, we were military brats, so you know, oh yeah, we yeah. There's something that we are. If you screw up, your dad gets in trouble. So that's right. He he gets in trouble, lose a stripe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he so, would lose a stripe. Oh my God, my dad wasn't playing. He's not going to be losing money becoming some poor. Oh, yeah. being poor and then being a federal government worker. Uh, yeah. mm, so he well, beat your ass. <laughs> yeah, because that's what was saving us because they couldn't raise nine kids, uh, I don't think, without being in the military because the military helped us a lot. Yeah. You know, medical yeah. and everything. So that, that that was a good thing. Yeah, you just so, knew not to do wrong. You just and you knew. don't do that. You don't mess up the, don't mess up the money. <laughs> that's right. That's feeding everyone. Right. Exactly, exactly. Because I'm one out of five, so you know that's uh-huh. still a large family. To some oh yeah, especially yeah. today, it's a large family. Yeah, it's shoot, yeah, expensive, it man. Expensive as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, just, yeah. The, uh-huh. Just dynamic, dynamic stuff that you're you're telling, and I think folks out there, you know, who are coming up in today's time. It uh-huh. seems a lot easier, and boy, did we trailblaze! <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. And and learn and teach. Learn and yeah. teach exactly, yes. exactly. Yes, uh, but, uh, well, well, we're we're coming to the end of the show. Where do you see our 
our youth and think what kind of change do you want to see in the black gay community because i i know my one of my guests cynthia robinson said that we're somewhat of a subgroup from mm-hmm. even the gay community and even our community because we're gay we're uh-huh. kind of uh, in a subgroup where mm-hmm. do you want us what do you want to see us going in in the future wow what a question I think it's it's more for, for you know I'm really right now I'm too old I'm I'm complacent I'm happy I'm kickback right now I'm talking mm-hmm. to you I have my own home yeah but it's more more for the young people right uh, I think the young people nowadays have a better voice than we did they right. know a lot more at their age than we did mm-hmm. they can do a lot more than than we did at our age. So mm-hmm. I, I see them, I see, uh, especially the, uh, the, the gay youth, I see them coming out way front. You see a lot of younger uh, gay people in offices, uh, political offices now. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see that in our time. Mm-hmm. You sure wouldn't. So I think, you know, we may be a subgroup, but we're coming on up. We're moving up, just like Jefferson's. Yes. We're moving we're, up. Yeah, we're making changes. You know, what I've noticed, too, is that when I see the younger youth see what we and, and our parents and before that go through uh-huh. a little bit more middle, I would say militant uh, and very boisterous uh, when That's it true. comes to, you know, they're like, ah, it's like, well, we had to deal with it, but we had to learn a way. Yeah. They just come right out with it and sometimes uh-huh. it's offensive, but I think that they're, you know, they're being heard. Which yeah, is very well, interesting. yeah, it's very, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. But sometimes, you know, you can be boisterous but not be rude. Yeah, you know. So if, if and that's okay, you know, like like uh, what was it Thurgood? Uh, what is the call said? Uh, uh, do good trouble. Get in good old, trouble. Yeah, yeah. The late. Um, yeah. Said, uh, congressman. What's yeah. His name? You just, yeah. yeah, you just pass. Yeah, just pass, you know, right. you get in good just, trouble. And mm-hmm. for the most part, I think that's what they're doing. Yes, you have some people that, you know, take it a little bit to the extreme. But, it, you know, like I said, we don't know what their background is, what they've been through, why they're doing it, unless you really sit down and talk with them. Right. You know, and you got to know, know your people. You got to know your people. Got to know. And I want us to emphasize this is that we need to know our history because. <laughs> You know, like the late Maya Angelou said, if we know better, we, we do, better. do better. Yes. There we go. And I did not know my history, you right. know, in school. I did not know half the things well, I know they, now. They didn't, you know what? They didn't I, teach yes. it. No, because, you know, we're in the same generation. And because I graduated in 79, and uh-huh. you graduated in 70. So, yeah, in the 70s. They didn't, they hid it from us until Ruth came on television. I until mean, Ruth, yes. Until it's like, we had slaves, they treated us this way, oh my God. Yes. You know, uh, we didn't know, and they kept it from us. And even till this day, uh-huh. we're looking at uh, the Southern schools talking about race theory, uh-huh. how to keep it out of the schools and so forth. So well, they're yeah. still stifling us to some degree. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not too familiar with race theory, but I, I think that's not really taught in schools now, is it? Well, their law of keeping out of the red. Yeah, they're keeping you know? out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that believe, that belongs on a higher level. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, that ends our show. I just 
really thank you for coming on. We definitely, if there's more, we have, we'd love to hear from you again. Uh, you are a great conversationalist, and I really enjoyed your information. And for those out there listening, this is kind of what we, you know, what our generation has kind of been through. We're boomers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're boomers. We're booming, all right. We're booming, <laughs> right? All right, well, Warren, thank you very much for being on our show, and we thank you so much for your information and just you being you. Well, thank you for having me, and, and I bless your audience, okay? You guys have a good good day, and stay out of the – we're in California, so I'm going to stay out of the heat. Well, you're in California. I, I It's 60-something degrees here in Oregon. So I don't hate you. I, I don't I'm hate you. <laughs> I don't hate you. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, thank you again, Warren. Okay, you take it easy. You betcha. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, here is my final thoughts with Warren, and I'll tell you, uh, what a great conversation. And man, can't, he uh, was one of the best uh, guests I've had here, uh, and we'll have more. Uh, but, you know, like we said, definitely, if you know better, do better, um, and, uh, you know, you can be boisterous, but we don't have to be rude, uh, and uh we should always strive for black excellence. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for listening and definitely come back for another good show. Thank you very much.